Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, what's the church? We've been in this for, this is our fifth week now, five weeks into uh, uh, kind of a big overview of what is the church. We're looking back through history. And we started in Acts chapter two, and uh, we recognize that the church is a creation of God. The church is also an upside down kingdom. Jordan talked to us about the church being on mission or out of commission, on mission or out of commission. And last week, Brenda talked to us about everybody always being hyper aware, being really aware of those who have traditionally been excluded and marginalized within the church and within society as a whole. So we look at church and if everybody always is our is our mantra, if that is what we live into. I mean, I used to have a pastor that would say, if everybody smells the same, you don't have a very diverse church. If everybody looks the same, if everybody's hip and cool and smells right and dresses right, we got a problem, right? We got a problem. And so uh, if the church, if the church is actually supernatural because if God created the church, then it is a creation of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter two bears this out. So if the church is supernatural, if the church is upside down and other focused, if the church is welcoming to the stranger, to the excluded, to the marginalized, then how do I get in? Because if the church is all of those things, we all want to get into that, don't we? When I was a kid, and I bet when you were a kid, if you wanted something, your parents might have said, well, nothing's free, so you better earn it. Nothing's free, so what are you gonna do to earn what you want? This is the mindset that many of us would have, and perhaps rightly so to some degree, but then along comes Jesus and says, my grace is free, can't earn it. That sets us in a conundrum, doesn't it? So how, do we, how are we qualified for this free gift? What actually saves us? Many of us wanna know, when am I good enough for this offer of free gift? So all you church people, hold on. You think you know the answer. Don't check out on me. I need you to lean in. You need to help me out. See, in 2000, a movie came out. Uh, goodness, that's 21 years ago already. Wow. It was called The Way of the Gun. I'm not endorsing this movie. I'm just telling you about it, right? It's a violent tale of criminals, of kidnapping, of extortion. And in the middle of all of this, the criminals have this crisis of conscience. They begin to wonder, uh, what if we start believing in God? One of them asks, uh, what, are you gonna, 
What are you gonna give, have to give him? If I believe in God, what am I gonna have to give him? If I believe in God, what will I say to him? How am I gonna defend what I've done? And so they embark on this bloody quest to do the right thing. The movie ends with a shootout where both main characters are shot and as the camera pans out, one of them asks, what are you gonna tell God now? What are you gonna tell God now? So why would I bring this movie up? Why talk about this movie? Because much of what happens in the movie is motivated by a twisted understanding of salvation. Check this out. In 2020, last year, a survey conducted by Arizona Christian University found that the majority of people who describe themselves as Christians, let's say over half, 52%, accept a works-oriented means to God's acceptance. Over half of the surveyed said they would accept a works-oriented means to get to God. In contrast, only 46% who describe themselves as Christians expect to experience eternal salvation because of their confession of sin and acceptance of God as their savior. The movies are twisted, so is the American church. We have a concept that it's either earn or burn. Gotta earn it, I'll probably burn. Let's go to scripture. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. I'm gonna do a broad, quick overview because we're skipping over chapters. We're not hitting everything in Acts. But I want you just to see some of the things that are happening in the chapters that we're not covering. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius has a vision. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, he's a soldier. He has a vision, he's a believer, but he's a soldier in the Roman army. He's a believer, he has a vision, in the vision, the angel says to him, go get Peter. He sends his people off to get Peter. Peter really does not want to go with them, but he ends up coming because Peter also has a vision that says, hey, uh, God's telling him whatever I have created is not unclean anymore. And Peter takes this as a word, goes back to Cornelius. Cornelius, here's the word. Cornelius receives salvation. Acts chapter 11, Peter has to explain his actions to those in the Jewish circles. Acts chapter 12, James is martyred, Peter's imprisoned, the church prays, Peter's released, and the church thinks that Rhoda is nuts because she goes to the door and says, it's Peter, the church has been praying, 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 and they still don't believe that he actually would be at the door. Does that not ring our bell this morning as well? We pray and we pray, God answers, and we say, can't be possible, can't be possible. Acts chapter 14, Paul heals, heals a he, he's, he's in the synagogue, he's preaching in the temple, and he sees a guy, he sees he has faith to be healed. Paul declares healing over him, and he receives it, and the people say, the gods have come in human form, and they begin to worship Paul and Barnabas until they come in and say, hey, stop it already, we're just human just like you are. All of these pictures of what happens in the book of Acts are an example of where we ourselves can easily end up. Things have not changed all that much within humanity. 
We see a human being that does extraordinary things and we want to be aligned, we want to be close to them and we begin to inadvertently sometimes begin to worship the person instead of the God that created that person, the God that infilled that person with the Holy Spirit, the God that gave him what he needed to do exactly what he's been called to do. Okay, so now we go to Acts chapter 15. And Paul and Barnabas have been in Antioch of Syria, and they have created a culture where everybody is welcome to the table. Gentile and Jew, all. If you believe, you are at the table. And then along come some men from Judea. Here they come. Probably Pharisees that believe, they were actual believers in Jesus, but theologians kind of believe that that's who it was. Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Here's what they taught him. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. And finally the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers, so here we go again. It happened in Antioch, and now we're back in Jerusalem, and it happens again. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So what on earth is up with circumcision? Okay, so I was tempted to go down a rabbit hole on this one. And I thought better of it. Genesis 17, God says to Abraham, Abraham, through you, I'm gonna create a people. Here's the deal. You are going to need to circumcise all your people, your slaves, everybody from here forward. And this will be the notation that you are my people. Let me ask you something. When you do something for a really long time and then someone comes along and says, oh, we're gonna change the rules. That doesn't matter anymore. What's your response? Like, I mean, we just had a greeting time, and for all you introverts, uh, you'd be fine if we never, ever did that again. But for the rest of us, it's a time of connection, a quick, hello, how you doing, kind of thing. It's become a tradition. But if somebody walked in here and said, we're not doing that anymore, it might be okay. Like, we might not yell too loudly about that. But what if someone came in and said, hey, what's up with baptism? You've been doing that for thousands of years. Why would you keep doing baptisms? Well, we would have a ready response, wouldn't we? Well, according to Jesus, 
We're commanded to go make disciples, baptize them. I mean, that's the easy answer. But what if they insisted? What if they said, no, 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 no. This is a word from God. We're doing something entirely new. What if? What if someone came in and said, we're going to change this up? Now do you understand? Maybe a little bit more what was happening? Because they've been circumcising the children of Israel for a couple thousand years at this point. This is not a new thing. This is a practice. And here comes Jesus and turns everything upside down. And here comes Paul and Barnabas and the apostles and they're saying, hey, you don't need to do this. The Gentiles don't need to do this anymore. It's funny because at one point, Paul gets so frustrated in Galatians 5, he says, why don't you just cut all of it off? If you wanna cut a little bit, cut it all off. So they went to the Jerusalem council. They went to the Jerusalem council because you know what? Sometimes churches get into a fix. They don't agree with each other. People, we're all people, right? And sometimes we need a little help to get through difficult circumstances. We argue and we fight most of the time about silly things. But sometimes it's something really significant that we've been doing forever. It has been ingrained in our culture. This is part of our religious practice. And someone's coming along and saying, you don't need to do that. So they sent the delegates to Jerusalem, to the apostles there, the elders, to figure it out. And we could look at this moment, described here in chapter 15, as the moment when the church solidified its position on what one must do to be saved. That's very simple. Belief. In the next chapter, in chapter 16 of Acts, these words are given, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Belief. Belief. It's not a complex, no, no, no. It is not a confusing word but it is a complex word, but because it requires us to do something with what we believe. Okay, so they said just believe, but, but abstain from things polluted by idols. All right, you and I don't sacrifice to idols, do we? Think again. What are the things that you are that you love? What would you do to be able to go to that big game and sit in the stands? What would you do to do your most favorite thing, the thing that you just might, if you think about it, consider an idol? Abstain from those things, they said. In those days, obviously, it was a lot more... Uh, <laughs> You didn't hide it all that much. You had the idols, you sacrificed whatever you were sacrificing. 
So they're just saying, hey, if you're a Gentile, if you're a believer, abstain from believe, and then abstain from things polluted by idols, abstain from sexual immorality, not something that our culture ever thinks about or does or is involved with at this point in time in our lives on the earth, right? Yeah, well, the culture then was very similar. And it was a common practice to be sexually immoral. And so they're just saying, hey, be sexually moral. And don't eat strangled bloody meat. Why did they tell him this? It was because of other Jewish believers. In, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I have become all things to all people so that I might win more people. So not doing those things in addition to believing was done at the deference of other people. See, sometimes we think that if we believe, then we have a license to do whatever we can because now we're under the grace and blessing of Jesus. So he'll forgive us again and again and again, which is true, but what do you believe? If you choose to continue to sin, what do you believe? So this Jewish count, or this Jerusalem council, it's a pivotal moment in history that leads to a pivotal moment for us, for you and I on a daily basis. Because as the one dying character asks in the way of the gun, what are you going to tell God now? How will you explain your actions? What defense will you have for the way you lived your life? See, if we're honest, this will be a cause of action on our part. Because we know that our good is never good enough. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But I, I went to church occasionally. I, I tried to be a defensive driver. I voted. Is that good enough? I intended to be nice to people. See, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his blood, his righteousness. I can't trust even the sweetest thing. All I can do is lean on Jesus' name. See, when we, so when we step back and we say, well, it's either earn or burn, I'm saying to you this morning, neither one needs to be true. Paul writes to the Ephesian church in chapter two, verse eight, he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. What is the church? What is the church? The church should be, and I believe it is, a place of grace. Brenda and I uh, took a young lady to, she already talked about it a little bit, but we took a young lady 
to um, a shelter this past week and tried to get her some help. And on the way there, uh, we had great conversation. And some of what I heard her say and what we encouraged her in was uh, she was talking about the things that she needed to do, the mistakes, the life that she wanted to live but hadn't left or hadn't lived. And I said to her what I'll say to you this morning, be gracious to yourself and others. Be gracious to yourself. It's easy for us to extend grace to other people sometimes, but more difficult to extend grace to ourselves. So be gracious to yourself. The journey, it's long and the road is hard. What is the church? It is a people who practice what they believe. See, practice reveals belief. Practice reveals belief. It is a people that hold firmly to the teachings of Jesus and generously release our grip on our preferences in deference to others. I wish it wasn't true, but in the church, dissension has been a cause for separation. Or disagreements have been a cause for dissension, which has caused all kinds of disunity. What we know, you guys, is that the gospel is for all people. The gospel is not Jesus plus all these other things. The gospel is Jesus. It is only and all about Jesus. Jesus is the way that points to life. He is the way that is life. What we believe informs our practice. What we believe informs our practice. So we believe God when he says, my grace is sufficient. When we say that we live under the grace of God. Have you ever heard someone say, better be careful, don't extend too much grace. Don't extend too much grace. Don't fall in that ditch. I've spent a lot of years of my life on one hand suggesting that I do believe in grace, that I believe that Jesus covers all, and on the other side, having this deep fear around, but if I don't do this, 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 and this, am I covered? There's a ditch to fall in on both sides. I had a friend uh, or a, a podcaster the other day who I heard talk about tent revival meetings, and he said, Every time I went to a tent revival meeting back in the day, it seemed like I couldn't resist walking down that dusty trail one more time, that sawdust trail, because somehow when the words, just as I am, were sung, I had to go to Jesus once more and tell him that I want him in my life. When we 
say yes to Jesus, his grace covers us, and we practice what we believe. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Does that mean that we get to live every which way but loose? No, no. It means that we practice what we believe. And what we believe is that the grace of God is sufficient to cover us from all unrighteousness and we live accordingly. We practice. We practice by renouncing. We practice our faith by renouncing the fallacy of earned grace, and we practice becoming a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control kind of people because there isn't any law against those things. Because what truly counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. Practice reveals belief. So as you go about your work this week, let those words remind you that whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and practice what you believe. Would you stand with me? Father, we're so grateful for your word that is sharp, for your word that is true, for your word that is filled with grace and mercy to all humankind. This morning, many of us have had many different experiences in life. And some of us are sitting here this morning, God, and we, we don't even know, we don't know about this grace. Uh, we don't know what it means to walk the way that you've created for us to walk. Some of us have experienced so much pain from the local church, from our families, from our circumstances, that it overrides everything else that we're experiencing. All the good in our lives is negated for some of us because of the pain that is in need of healing. So wherever we are in our circumstances this morning, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing and restoration to every life within the sound of my voice. That where grace has been uh, mistaken, where grace has been abused, would you bring healing? Where following the law has been lifted up higher than the beauty of grace, God, I know that some within my, the sound of my voice have been incredibly hurt and separated by the law that was established within churches, within the church, that are impossible to follow. For those that had that experience, again, I pray healing, I, bring, I pray restoration, Father. 
We thank you, God. That where we, where sin exists, your grace exists even more. And so we lean into that again this morning. And as we go into this week, help us to practice what we say we believe. Strengthen us where we are weak and give us what we need as we connect with people in our world this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Hey, listen, uh, this morning we have a couple of our prayer team members that are in the back in front of the tech booth. If any of this connected with you in a way that you feel like you're, like a word of uh, encouragement would be helpful to you, a personal prayer would be helpful to you, uh, make your way back there. They're happy to be with you and to pray with you. And, uh, and we'll sing now as we close out our time. I'm really grateful that you are here this morning and uh, I pray blessing over your week. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.